Today's episode is presented to you by Best You Mental Health Clinic. Best You is a practice that provides a compassionate space, uniquely treating each client based upon their individual needs to reach their goals. At Best You, we believe mental health is not a trend, it is a lifestyle. Best You Mental Health Clinic is currently accepting patients 16 and up, accepts all major insurances plus self-pay. If you would like more information, visit bestumhc.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the College Underdogs podcast presented by College Game Time. I am your host, Trey Smith, and we're going to look at three significant games that are happening this weekend, particularly in American Athletic Conference play. We're also going to get into some Mountain West because of the Air Force-Navy matchup and how that could have impacts on the New Year's Six. But I want to preview three significant matchups. also want to look at the linear coverage this week and... um, Before I say any of that, though, I do want to say thank you, those of you who watched yesterday's show and left your feedback uh, as it pertains to the formula that I use to rank or power rank the five G5 conferences. I was able to take some of the feedback that you gave, and I'm going to look at tweaking the formula even more for the next time I do a show like that, maybe here in a couple of weeks when I do another power ranking, let a little bit more of the season play out, and then we'll look at those numbers again. But thank you again for your feedback. Thank you again for for watching. And just anyone that's a viewer or a listener, I appreciate your support. Um, In fact, if you're watching on YouTube right now, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, share it with a friend, comment at the end. And uh, if you're listening on one of the streaming platforms, please, please, please give it a five-star rating, leave a review, and I would greatly appreciate you. As you can see, if you're keeping track at home, we're right at about 100 subscribers away from 4K. So if you are watching this right now and you are not subscribed, I'm asking from the bottom of my heart, help me get to 4,000, hit that subscribe button. Less than 100 away, or I think we're right at 100 away, something like that. So... But without further ado, let's get into today's show. I'm going to start with this UNT at Tulane game. Tulane's homecoming. It's a sold-out crowd. As I said earlier this week, I, I, I predict Tulane wins the game, but I think North Texas covers. Here's what needs to happen if you're Tulane. You need to establish your identity and run the ball. It seems like when Tulane has struggled early in games this season, particularly in conference play, like against UAB and Memphis, it's when they weren't really sticking to their identity. And then as they settled into the game and they got back to what they do best, that's when they began to not just take the lead, but extend the lead and take control of the game. So I think Tulane needs to run the ball. They need to play solid defense and limit explosive plays. That's where UNT really makes their money offensively is with their explosiveness. And they can be very dangerous. That's why I'm saying, man, I I wouldn't just overlook this game if you're a Tulane fan. This is a very confident North Texas team with a lot of momentum right now. And their offense has looked very good. Or they looked very good last week. They They looked okay against Navy. They just kept shooting themselves in the foot. And I think what we saw progression-wise from their Navy game to their Temple game was an improvement in self-inflicted wounds. You know what I mean? 
improvement in self-inflicted wounds, which was the difference in them going from scoring, you know, 24 points to 40 plus 40 points. So that's what I'll say about their offense as far as Tulane's concerned. But if Tulane runs the ball, they stay true to their identity. They play sound defense. Even if it's a little bend, don't break, don't give up the explosive plays. I think they'll be just fine. North Texas's defense has been one of the worst at stopping the run this season. In fact, last weekend, it was kind of surprising to me because Temple came out, who, if you've not been following them, they their O-line has been not good this season. And they ran the ball as better than they have all season in the first first drive or two against North Texas. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if Temple's O-line just got gassed. I don't know if North Texas made some adjustments defensively, but they weren't able to get their, keep their run game going and sustain it over the course of the game. And quite frankly, North Texas defense looked better than it has all season uh, after Temple's first couple of drives. So, but look, Temple, I'm, I'm sorry, Tulane, much better, much different animal than what Temple is. Um, I, I project they'll be able to run the ball at will, and that's what they need to do, and then defensively limit those explosive plays. And then if you're UNT, man, I've been thinking about this because because logic almost says you need to take the UAB route or approach game plan, which if you didn't see the UAB two-lane game, man, UAB was establishing long, sustained drives that finished with points. In fact, they had an 11-play drive, a 12-play drive in the first half. One ended with a field goal. One ended with a touchdown. And then they had another, I think, 11 or 12-play drive late in the third, early fourth quarter where they fumbled on the one-yard line. But that was a formula and a recipe that was keeping UAB in that game. Now, again, UAB had some self-inflicted wounds at some inopportune time. Tulane was able to capitalize on that and run away with that game. But logic almost says North Texas needs to take that approach in order to have a chance to get the upset at Tulane. The problem is the way North Texas offense seems to have been built and thrives this season is not playing that style of football. They're a more explosive, hurry up, tempo, push the ball down the field, let Chandler Rogers do his thing, get the ball to Jamori Macklin and let's go to work. And so it'll be interesting because I feel like the game plan North Texas needs to use or what has shown to be effective against Tulane may not be what's best fit or best suitable for their, I don't know, personnel or what, what, where they found success this season. So as I think about it, it's like, okay, do you just play your game? Try to turn it into a track meet? You know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Tulane's got a good defense, and the problem is, is if you try to make it a, a, a track meet and you go three and out one, once or twice, you have a chance to end up in a pretty big hole very quickly uh, if you're not playing good defense. You know, I guess the other risk to turning this into a track meet is you end up in a situation like you did with Cal, where you're having your explosive plays, but you can't stop the run, and then it seems like the other team just starts scoring at will, and so... I'm curious, if you're a North Texas fan watching this and you've been following them pretty closely this season, leave in the comments, what do you, what do you think is the best uh, game plan in order to get a win at Tulane? It's going to be a very tough matchup, but I have faith in this North Texas offense. I still don't have a lot of faith in the defense, but I do have faith in the offense. And there's a part of me that just says, just be you. 
Go play your game. Turn it into a track meet. Try to outscore them. Maybe get a turnover. Maybe get a critical stop. Try to be the last team with the ball and just see what happens. I'm not trying to disrespect Tulane's defense because Tulane does have a really good defense. I mean, they looked really good against that Ole Miss offense. So I don't know. Um, I think North Texas definitely has to make sure they limit the self-inflicted wounds, both from a penalty standpoint and from a play calling standpoint. You know, you don't, I don't think this is a game if you're North Texas where you want to be over aggressive. Like if you have an opportunity to get points, take the points. If you have an opportunity to flip the field, flip the field. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying go conservative and get away from who you are. I'm just saying, be smart about it. Don't, don't, don't be, you know, so risky that you end up shooting yourself in the foot and putting yourself in a, in a deeper hole than you could have. So those are my thoughts on that game. I do think Tulane wins. I do think North Texas covers and we'll see how it goes. We'll see which approach North Texas is North Texas takes. Are they going to go the more UAB route where they try to establish long sustained drives or are they going to be who they've been so far this season? which is a team that wants to put points up on the board and put points up on the board fast. Um, Tulane, just understand, you need to have an answer for Jamori Macklin. This kid has been balling this year. They're going to get him the ball. They're going to try and find ways to get it to him in space and let him do what he does. He's a deep threat. He's a guy that can make plays on the run after catch. And then, of course, you know, I would imagine there would be some sort of spy on Chandler Rogers, North Texas's quarterback, as he is a threat both in the pass game and the run game. Moving on to the next one uh, I'll be talking about today is Air Force at Navy. Now, the big news here is that Air Force's quarterback is out. And according to reports, he's going to be out for a while. So he's not going to be playing against Navy. I guess the advantage to that, not advantage, I guess the silver lining to that is typically in the triple option, you you have a guy coming in that, that it can be plug and play. Now, if you're an Air Force fan that happens to be watching this, you're probably going, well, did you not see Wyoming? Yes, I did. He came in after the starter got hurt. Was it early in the fourth quarter? And he, he turned, like they turned it over twice, basically, <laughs> while he was in at quarterback. One of them, I don't know if they were both his fault. I know the second one was his fault when he fumbled. I think the other one, the fullback, but I don't know if it was on the exchange or what. I don't remember, but I know they had two turnovers when he came in, but he did do what needs to be done. Um, they had the big play there with two minutes to go where they popped off a 52-55, 57-yarder on a uh, triple option play. Um so that's our, I'm curious. You know, he got in at the end of that game. It was a tight game. It was a big game. So he kind of got um, <clears throat> the nerves out then. He's been probably taking, or he has been taking first team reps all week this week. I would imagine their quarterback's going to be ready to play in this Navy matchup. However, you know, Navy, from their vantage point, like they need to rely on their defense and they need to try and somehow put him in positions to overanalyze things to overthink it. I don't really know how you do that against the triple option, but if you're Navy, I mean, this is something you're very familiar with defensively. This is what you run. This is a rivalry game. I just think that um, if Navy is going to win this game, it's going to be because of their defense. And dare I say, maybe the defense needs to either score 
a touchdown on, on a pick six or a scoop and score, or they need to cause a turnover deep in Air Force's territory to help their offense out. You know, one thing that Air Force is going to have working in their favor is the fact that Navy's offense has been very up and down this season. Um, some weeks, I mean, it's clicking, it's firing on all cylinders, and other weeks, it's just frozen. So, which Navy offense shows up to this game, time will tell. We'll know tomorrow. But if I'm Air Force, I don't think not having your starting quarterback takes you out of this game completely. I think it's still a winnable game for Air Force, um, but they're going to have to come ready to play. I think it's a big game for the team I just talked about before this for Tulane because if Navy wins, it puts Tulane in the driver's seat towards a New Year's Six goal, New Year's Six bid. But um, yeah, I think the probably the the key factors for this Air Force Navy game is which team can control the time of possession on offense and which team can limit the explosive plays on defense. There's this myth that the triple option is this boring three yards in a cloud of dust old school offense. Yes, sometimes it functions that way. Sometimes it functions that way by design, but make no mistake about it. In this offense that both of these teams run, there is a lot of potential for explosive plays as we saw against Wyoming in the game-winning play with less than two minutes to go. Pop for 50-plus yarder. So whoever on defense can limit the explosive plays and whichever team on offense can control the time of possession is who I believe will be the winner of this Navy Air Force matchup. Big game too. I love it when these service academy matchups have even more at stake than just the rivalry. Right now you have a ranked undefeated Air Force team. An Air Force team that's in control of its own destiny to a New Year's Six Bowl. Navy, on the other hand, I mean, as representatives of the American Athletic Conference, they could play, they could play party crasher. And not just crash the party for Air Force, but also put their conference, another member of their conference in position to get that bid. Uh, Navy's also got some momentum behind them. They're on a two-game winning streak. And listen, it's Brian Newberry's first year, but I guarantee you they're trying to get a bowl eligible. They're trying to get some bowl eligibility this year. They've missed it three years in a row in very subpar seasons. And this is a big game. So who controls the time of possession and who limits the explosive plays? That's what I think this game's going to come down to. And then finally, the third and final game I'm going to talk about on this episode is UTSA at FAU. I think this is a massive game for the American Athletic Conference. I think it's two newcomer schools who are playing really well since conference play started. I think both of them have a chance to make some noise as contenders for the American Athletic Conference, but it's all going to be contingent on who wins this game. I, I consider this what I call a trajectory game, and I talked about that this season. Whoever wins this game, I think their season trajectory is now setting their sights on an American Athletic Conference championship. I'm not saying they're going to get there, but I'm saying that whoever wins this game, I think will be undefeated in conference play going into their matchup with Tulane because that's how these seasons go. That's how momentum works. And so whoever wins this FAU-UTSA game, I believe will be undefeated going into their matchup with Tulane. FAU plays Tulane the second to last week of the season. UTSA plays Tulane the last week of the season. And that game very well could be against two undefeated conference members who are either playing for the second slot in the conference championship, or they could be playing each other, and then they 
depending on how the rest of the season plays out, they could be playing each other for a rematch in the conference championship. But I don't want to get too far ahead. Let's talk about this game. So this should be a really good game. I'm, I'm actually upset that this one's on streaming. I feel like, it, I mean, I get it. They're three and three, right? So I get it. But I wish this one was on linear coverage. I'm going to talk about the linear coverage here in just a second because, again, it's another great week for the American Conference, despite them being, according to my power ranking formula yesterday, the third best power, group of five conference uh, in the country right now. Talk more about that in a second. But these are two very evenly matched teams, and they're both hitting their stride playing really good football. So here's what I project this game comes down to. And I've said this before on this show, but it's going to come down to the middle eight. The last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. That's what I believe this game comes down to. When you look at FAU throughout the course of this season, when they have lost games, even including a game they probably shouldn't have lost, or games that they were in position to win, mainly talking about Illinois and Ohio. They struggled in the middle eight. They either gave up an inopportune touchdown just before half, they gave up a touchdown coming out of half, or both. Go look it up. When they've, when they've lost games this year, close games, it's been because of the last four minutes of the first half or the first four minutes of the second half. And so if I'm UTSA coming into this game, I'm making that a point of emphasis. We're going to win the last four minutes of this half and then we're going to win the first four minutes coming out of halftime because those are the teams that have been successful in close games against FAU. I project this will be a close game. And so that's a formula for UTSA. Now, if you're FAU, you got to tighten that up. All right? Like, we got to go, okay, we're gonna, we might be in for a dogfight, and we got to handle it like we did Tulsa. Tulsa, they did a better job in that middle eight. So that's what I believe this game comes down to. Um, now, the one thing that was different in Tulsa than any other game that I don't know what the status is for tomorrow, but the weather conditions. It was like a monsoon in the game they were playing against Tulsa for a good portion of that game. I don't know if it's rainy forecast. If you're in South Florida right now and you know what the forecast is, let me know what, 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 what the, I mean, obviously I could look it up, but I like engaging. So if you're, <laughs> if you're an FAU person, uh, let me know what the weather's looking like. Uh, hopefully it'll be good conditions. Um, and then the other, I think, X factor that's going to come down in this game Again, with two evenly matched teams. Both teams have weapons. Both teams have playmakers. Both teams have quarterbacks that are playing really well. It's kind of interesting because coming into conference play, UTSA just got their quarterback back in Frank Harris, whereas FAU was turning to their backup quarterback because they lost their starter, and both have played lights out in their first two conference games. Both offenses have playmakers. Both defenses, ha I mean, are applying pressure excellently. Where I think this game comes down to is which team can stop the run better. Um, FAU defensively seems to have been better matching up against teams that want to beat you with their explosiveness. Whereas these games where it's been teams that are trying to hit you in the mouth, like Ohio and Illinois, 
That's given their defense more fits. UTSA as a team, they're going to try and hit you in the mouth. And as we've seen these last couple of weeks, man, they're finding their offensive identity. So who stops the run? Who can, can FAU stop the run better than UTSA? Can UTSA continue to play sound defense? It's like we finally saw the complete UTSA team against UAB. Early in the season, their defense was their anchor. Then as we moved on, the offense became the anchor. And then it was like they put it all together coming into conference play, and it all culminated last weekend um, against UAB. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's really it on that one. So, UTSA at FAU, Air Force at Navy, UNT at Tulane. Like, those are the three games I really got my eye on because I think they're going to have some stakes as it pertains to not just the conference championship, but possibly the New Year's Six. And then finally on this episode, I just want to give you the linear coverage. Coming in at number one this week in linear coverage is the American Conference with six linear games. Coming in at number two, it's the Conference USA, but the Conference USA, all their games are on Tuesday, Wednesday, which I've enjoyed watching some of those, but you got to kind of put an asterisk there because none of theirs are on Saturday. Uh, the Sun Belt has four on linear. Um, the Mountain West Conference this weekend has three on linear, and then the MAC has two so listen, it's a down year for the American overall, being that it's kind of their quote unquote rebuilding year. But this shows you that even, even despite being the third or fourth ranked G5 in the country, they're still getting the most linear exposure and they still have the best overall media deal period as it pertains to not just exposure, but revenue. Eventually these incoming teams are going to start to be able to experience the fruit of that. And they're going to be able to rise up and, 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 and I think a couple of them uh, will be able to be more than capable replacements for teams that left. And quite frankly, even if you look at it this year, I mean, regardless of how this UTSA FAU game goes, because of how Rice played last night against Tulsa, I mean, three newcomer schools will be two and one come Monday. Um, and maybe more. We'll see how the weekend plays out, but there are guaranteed to be three of the six newcomers will be two and one in conference play. So if you're someone that's griping and moaning about, oh, Conference USA 2.0, blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's fair in the, in the grand scheme of things for this season. But I think if you can look at this in a two to five year outlook, this conference is going to be just fine. So, and if you're one of those people complaining, you better make sure your, your team's dominating. That's all I'll say on that. But, yep. And even as it pertains to the media deal, I don't know if those of you listened to the one-on-one -on -one I had with Oresco, Commissioner Oresco, last Monday. Um, he said that the ESPN deal will be fine with the, all the departures and, you know, turnover that's happened. Obviously, I was saying that based on SMU leaving and the potential of Army coming in. I said with all the turnover that's happened over the past, you know, two years or so, do you project that the ESPN deal will be impacted in a negative way? And he said, no, I don't think so. The networks, they're not looking to do anything like that. He said, we'll have a look in at some point, but he made it sound like it was a non-issue. So anyways, just some food for thought. As always, I thank you for watching this newly named show, the College Underdogs Podcast. 
See y'all Monday, unless something warrants an emergency pot over the weekend. If you're listening, hit that five-star rating. Leave me a positive review. You all have a great weekend. That's it for me today. Trey Smith, College Game.